Hello and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Discovering the Jewish Jesus with our Bible teacher, Rabbi Schneider. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and today we're going to be taking a look at the nature of God. Holiness is the most exalted attribute of God in the Bible, and it's something that we're called to strive towards. But holiness is a word that turns a lot of people off, probably because it's a word that gets used and abused a lot in the Christian world. So what exactly does it mean to be holy? Well, Rabbi Schneider explores that topic today as he continues this series on how Jesus completes biblical Judaism. So let's get started. Here is Rabbi. Many times believers have a concept that the God of the Hebrew Bible, the God of what they call the Old Testament, is primarily a harsh lawgiver that kind of mercilessly punishes people for their sin, whereas they viewed the God in the New Testament primarily as a God of grace and love. And it seems inconsistent. People are confused. How could the God of the Old Testament, many think, be the same God that I see revealed in the New Testament? They don't look at the God of the Old Testament as a God of grace. They see him as a God of law and justice. And they look in the New Testament, they see a God of grace. And it seems to many to be two different gods. And so to dial it back, I showed how the most exalted attribute that we see revealed of who God is in the Hebrew Bible is his holiness. And we went to the book of Isaiah, chapter number six, where Isaiah was permitted to see the Lord in heaven on his throne. And Isaiah describes what he saw in Isaiah six. And Isaiah said, I saw him high and exalted, high and lifted up. And there were these divine beings around him, these seraphim, And they didn't cease crying out day and night, Isaiah said, Kadosh, 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 which is the Hebrew word for holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So once again, Isaiah sees the Lord on the throne with these divine beings around the throne that don't cease crying out day and night, holy, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the only time in the entire Hebrew Bible, the entire Tanakh, where we find a threefold repetition of one of God's attributes. In other words, we know that God is all powerful, but nowhere in the Hebrew scriptures do we see him referred to as all powerful, all powerful, all powerful, or all righteous, all righteous, all righteous. Only once is there a threefold repetition and it's in reference, beloved ones, to his holiness. Now take that, and let's take this to the New Testament. When we read through the New Testament, do we find that within the pages of the Brich Hadashah, which once again is the Hebrew way to say the New Covenant Scriptures, the New Testament, is there an attribute of God that seems to be exalted more than any others? To answer this question, we went to the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is a book like no other book in the New Testament, the Brich Hadashah. Because in the book of Revelation, John, he's on the island of Patmos. He had been exiled there because of his faith. He's all alone there. And on the Lord's day, John says, he heard the Spirit of the Lord call to him, come up here. 
And immediately the scripture says, John was caught up in the spirit and was permitted to see the Lord on his throne in the heavens, just like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6. This takes place once again in the book of Revelation chapter 4. John describes what he saw for us, and John says he saw the Lord once again on the throne, and there were these divine beings around the throne, and John said they did not cease crying out day or night, holy, holy, holy. So we find that the New Testament and the Old Testament are completely in sync in the sense that they exalt God's holiness above all his other attributes. This is the only time in the New Testament where any of God's attributes are repeated three times, just as it's the only attribute in the Old Testament where any of God's attributes are repeated three times. In both the Old and New, the threefold repetition is of God's holiness. Now, what is God's holiness? We've just learned that the Old and New Testaments are consistent in that they show us that the most exalted attribute of the Creator is His holiness. But what is holiness? Holiness has to do with being completely other than, completely unique. In other words, holiness has many different forms. It speaks of God's morality. It speaks of many different colors of meaning the word holiness. But the primary meaning of kadosh or holy is to be completely unique and separate. In other words, God is not like any other. I quoted on one of the earlier broadcasts in this series that in the book of Isaiah, the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, I am God and there is no other. I form light and I create darkness. I cause well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. God alone is uncreated. God alone reigns. God is the uncreated, limitless one. He has no beginning. He has no end. He exists outside of time. He exists outside of space. He is the cause that has no cause. He's the ground of all being. He is, and he is completely other than, totally unique. Everything else is created life. God is uncreated life. No beginning, no end. He is eternity. So once again, beloved ones, as we look at how the Old and New Testaments, how the Tanakh and the Brichad Hashah, the New Testament, fit together like a hand in a glove, we find that they both teach us that God's most exalted attribute is His otherness. He is completely unique and separate. Let's continue on. Oftentimes, once again, people get confused because they see the God of the Hebrew Scriptures as primarily a harsh lawgiver, whereas they view the God of the New Testament as a God of grace, almost like, forgive me for saying it, but I'm just using a little humor, like God has two personalities, like He was one person in the Old Testament and suddenly becomes a happy God in the New Testament, and it's like, what's going on? But the truth is, beloved, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He's always been a God of grace. Many believers don't understand that even as the New Testament teaches and portrays our God as a God that's full of grace, so too 
the pages of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, also reveal that God is a God of grace. David said in Psalm number 86, verse 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Once again, David, he was so close to God. The Lord said about David that David was a man after God's own heart. David had a very tender relationship with God. He knew God. David said to the Lord, he said, your gentleness has made me great. Now remember, beloved ones, this is an Old Testament word. David, the king of Israel, said to the Lord, your gentleness, O God, has made me great. He knew God as a God of grace. And so what we're saying once again is the nature of God revealed in the Hebrew Bible is the same as what we see revealed in the New Testament. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi will be right back in a moment. It's our prayer that today's message has been a blessing to you so far, and we hope that it enriches your walk with Yeshua. If you have a prayer request, we invite you to submit it online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Our team lifts up every individual request before the Lord, and it would be our pleasure, privilege, and honor to pray for you and your family. At Discovering the Jewish Jesus, we are looking for like-minded people who are ready to partner with us. If you're sensing the Lord leading you to offer a financial gift of support, would you please contact us today? Become a monthly partner. Go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com or to give a gift of any amount today, just call 800-777-7835. That's 800-777-7835. And now here's Rabbi Schneider with the rest of today's message. I think the most profound revelation that we have in the Hebrew Bible, and specifically the Torah, which is the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, I think the most profound revelation that we have, folks, in the Hebrew Bible is found in the book of Exodus, chapter number 34, the book of Shemot in Hebrew. Moses was described by the Lord as the humblest man on the earth and as a man that knew him face to face. Moses is referred to as the face-to-face prophet because God said he knew Moses face-to-face. We know the story of Moses, most of us. God called Moses and raised him up to be the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. So I'm going to take you now to the 34th chapter of the book of Exodus, the book of Shemot, and I want to show you something that is truly incredible. Moses was kind of insecure because remember, even when God first called Moses and Moses met God at the burning bush, Moses said, but Lord, you know, I stutter. How am I going to do this? Moses was very insecure about his calling. And so this insecurity had to be continually reassured by Father God. God had to continually tell Moses that he was adequate because God was making him adequate. So Moses is still dialoguing with God. How am I going to do this, God? How how can I lead them to the promised land? How how are they going to believe me? And Moses keeps on looking for reassurances. And finally, Moses says to the Lord, Lord, if you don't go with me, 
I'm not going to go. And then Moses climaxes. He says this, show me your glory. And so God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to show you my glory. To give Moses the confidence that was required. With that in mind, I take you now to Exodus 33, verse 18. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. And I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see my face and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And so we continue the story in Exodus 34. Moses has gone into the cleft of the rock now and he's calling upon the name of the Lord. He's calling upon the name Yahweh. And as he's in the cleft of the rock, beloved, calling upon the name of the Lord, we pick up. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed Yahweh, Yahweh God, which is translated the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet will by no means leave the guilty go unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations, Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. Now, once again, I want you to take a step back and listen very carefully. This is the most profound and full revelation of God's nature to anybody in the Hebrew Bible. As Moses is in the cleft of the rock, calling upon the name of his God, the Lord himself comes to Moshe, to Moses, and breathes into him and fills him, beloved one, with revelation, light, and knowledge. So when the Lord began to proclaim his name over Moses and speak into Moses who he was, Moses didn't just hear words. Moses was filled with the depth and understanding of what those words meant. Let me give you an example of what I'm explaining by this. Years ago, I went through a real dilemma in my life because I saw a lot of failure happening in the lives of God's people. In other words, I saw so many people that you know, talked about the Lord and talked about Jesus. And yet it seemed like there were just so many failures happening in their life. I'm not talking about, you know, one here, one there, but it just seemed like their life was a continual life of defeat. And it didn't make sense to me because the scriptures tell us that we should have victory in our lives in Jesus, that we should have a supernatural joy, that we should be able to live above our circumstances, that we're more than conquerors through all these things. But I got to the place where I just said, Lord, it's not making sense. Uh, These people that I'm seeing, they're all saying they believe in you, and yet they seem to have one problem after another problem after another problem. And I don't understand how they can be living in almost perpetual defeat and yet believe in you. And unless you show me what's going on, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to trust you for myself. Because if they say they believe in you, and it appears like they're failing and falling, how can I trust that you're going to give me victory and fulfill your purpose in my life. So I said, Lord, I just got to stop and just wait for you to answer me because 
I can't go on until I understand this dilemma. So I was really at a crisis in my faith. I was at a standstill. It was like, Lord, I can't go on until you answer this question for me. And so I was in this place of just waiting on God for several days. There was a sadness in my heart because I needed an answer, but I also had faith that he was going to answer. So in the midst of this, after several days, just being sad and waiting on God, the Lord spoke to me. And he said to me, the reason you're seeing what you're seeing is because my people are not trusting me. But when he said the word trust to me, he said it to me in a way that the word trust was filled with revelation knowledge. And what was in the word trust was the word cling. He said the word trust, but the word trust was filled with the meaning of the word cling. So he was saying to me, my people are falling because they're not clinging to me. They're leading lives apart from me. But he used the word trust. The reason I'm sharing that story, beloved, is that when Moses heard the Lord proclaim who he was, Moses didn't just hear the words. He knew what the meaning of the words were. He was filled with revelation, light of the meaning of the words. God is revealing himself to Moses. So listen what happens. Moses, once again, is in the cleft of the rock. The Lord comes, verse number 6, Exodus 34. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, Yahweh God, compassionate and gracious. The first thing that the Lord reveals to Moses concerning his nature is that he's compassionate and gracious. God doesn't tell Moses, well, Moses, I'm a harsh lawgiver. Moses, I am a moral God, and if someone doesn't live up to my moral nature, I'm going to strike them down instantly for their sin. No. When Moses encounters Hashem, when he encounters the Lord, beloved one, the God he encounters is above all else compassionate and gracious. Now, I know I said God's chief attribute is his holiness, and that's true. He is separate, unique, uncreated life. He's like no other. But the nature of this God is, first of all, compassionate and gracious. Now, isn't this what the New Testament reveals? Do you see what I'm saying, church? The Old and New Testaments are consistent in what they teach us concerning who God is. They're not two inconsistent portions of the Bible. Rather, they fit together like a hand in a glove. God wants you to know, beloved ones, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a compassionate and a gracious God. He loves you and I. He loves you the same today as he did yesterday and as he will tomorrow. And he knows we're but dust. And beloved, as long as we look to him humbly, he's always going to have compassion on us. He's always going to help us. And he's always going to place his favor upon us, which comes from the word grace. He's a gracious God, meaning he shows us favor and blesses us, even if we don't deserve it. God is going to bring peace to your heart as you understand once again how the Old and New Testaments fit together for you like a hand in a glove. You're listening to a message from international evangelist Rabbi Schneider titled, What is the Nature of God? And today's message on discovering the Jewish Jesus is just one part of a larger series called How Jesus Completes Biblical Judaism. 
And well, holiness is mandatory for believers, but being holy isn't about keeping a list of man-made requirements. There's only one way we're going to be made holy, and that is through Jesus. And so if you'd like to learn more about Jesus, or if you've never made a commitment to him, but you'd like to, would you visit us online? We have a special page, and it's dedicated to learning more about who the Son of God is. And we've got a couple of free books that we want to send you as our way of saying welcome to the family of God. Just visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com and then click Ministry and Find Jesus on the toolbar. And if you already know who Jesus is, but you'd like to learn more about this ministry or you'd like to take your studies deeper, please check out our website. You'll find teaching videos and details about the biblical feast and holidays. You can even view testimonies from people all over the world who've discovered the Jewish Jesus through this ministry. We call these videos God Moments, and we pray that you'll be blessed by learning how God is working in the world through people just like you. You know, it's our pleasure to provide these programs and the variety of resources we have online, but we couldn't do what we do without your prayers and your financial support. And to help us understand the need for giving during this holiday season, here's Rabbi Schneider once again. Well, you can see, beloved, we've come to the end of the year. First of all, I want to thank all of you, my faithful partners and friends, for supporting this ministry and allowing us to do the things that we do, reaching people all over the globe for the kingdom of God. You know, I was walking in Jerusalem and an Orthodox Jewish person came up to me and he said, I like what you're doing. He had resonated with some of the content that I put out there regarding the Taking the Rainbow Back campaign. Beloved, I couldn't do these things. I couldn't preach the gospel all over the globe without you. I need your help. And it's a biblical principle that if we're receiving from a ministry, and I know you've heard me say this before, but if we're receiving from a ministry, we should support that ministry financially. Not only will it be a blessing to you, but you'll be used of God to bring the gospel to people all over the world. So as we come to the end of the year, please do your best, beloved, to honor the Lord through your finances, through this ministry. You can give your best end-of-the-year gift of any amount by calling 800-777-7835. Or you can automate your giving by becoming a monthly partner online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. As our way of saying thank you for your generous financial gifts, we'll send you Rabbi Schneider's Message of the Month, and it's available as a digital download along with our current newsletter. Thank you for your generous gifts and support. We look forward to hearing hearing from you soon. But right now, let's wrap up today's special message on what is the nature of God with a special blessing from Rabbi Schneider. The ironic blessing in the book of Numbers chapter 6 is not a blessing that comes from an impersonal being out there somewhere in the heavens. This special blessing comes from a person, Yahweh God Almighty, our creator and maker. So receive God's blessing into your life right now. Yahweh, 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 
פניו אליך ואשם לך. שלום. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries, and I'm your host, Dustin Roberts. Join us tomorrow when Rabbi Schneider reveals whether God's nature is consistent in both Testaments. That's coming up Thursday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Discovering the Jewish Jesus.